from Relay FM. This is Upgrade, episode number one hundred and seven. Today's show is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile, Fresh Books, and AppCare. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Mr. Jason Snell. I'm very excited today, Mr. Snell. I I know you are, Mike. I know you are. It is iPhone review episode. <laughs> it's my favorite one. It is the iPhone review episode. It's true. I have so many things to say later on in the show today. Uh-huh. So many things, all the great things. But we have some follow-up to address today before that, and uh, I believe you want to kick us off. Yeah, uh, a couple things. One, we talked a few months ago. There was a, We did a podcast, sort of Inside Baseball, episode or two. We talked to Lex Friedman at the mid-roll, uh, who's a former Macworld writer who now works at the at this podcast ad network. And Lex was talking about their strategy and why they bought Stitcher and what they think about podcasts and podcast advertising and how the podcast industry works. And that was a good good conversation. Um, you know, we didn't necessarily agree with everything that Lex said, but it was really great to get that that other perspective. And I thought that was a good conversation. I wanted I have a couple bits of follow up. One is we were talking about Stitcher and one of the knocks on Stitcher. I know Marco Arment made uh, had this as a complaint about Stitcher. And I, I think a lot of podcasters felt this way about why why a lot of us kept Stitcher at arm's length was this feeling that Stitcher um, didn't really respect the the creators of podcasts and one way was that they would take our file download our file and then cache their own copy of it so we couldn't actually see who else downloaded it from stitcher because only we would only see that stitcher downloaded it and 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 to make matters worse they wouldn't just download it and take it away from us so that we can't see who else is listening to it they would re-encode it at a low very low quality bit rate so the the shows on stitcher sounded worse and these are major complaints. And I, I just, as a matter of follow-up, I actually uh, saw an email from Stitcher that they sent out in August, I think, so last month, that they have changed their system and they're no longer caching and re-encoding any podcast files. So basically, Stitcher is now a podcast app that downloads files like other podcast apps do straight from the server. So that was one major complaint, that they were trying to create this closed ecosystem. And I think Stitcher... This is this is one of the funny things when people freaked out about midroll buying Stitcher is they 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 were saying you know they, they were sort of applying Stitcher's mindset to midroll and I think what happened is rather the reverse which is midroll came in there and said yeah uh, don't take all that closed stuff out and just open it back up because um, midroll uh, in all my conversations with Lex is a champion of you know the open podcast ecosystem and they like that and they are they are fine with that and Stitcher is not. Uh, an attempt for them to create a closed ecosystem around Stitcher. So Stitcher's just a podcast app now. It's good to um, him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Lex, by the way, uh, he got a promotion. He's now like the chief revenue officer at the mid-roll. So I think he, and they, they got a new, their CEO left. So they got a new CEO in a, and and uh, who's a longtime mid-roll person. And then Lex has now got, got a promotion. So congratulations, Lex. I think he's not so big yet in this industry that he wouldn't come back sometime to talk podcast economics. So I'd like to do that sometime down the road when we think like the time is right for, for him and for us um, because this is a rapidly changing business. And we got some good feedback about that. I don't want to overdo it. This is not a show about the podcasting industry, but every now and then as a kind of window into what's going on um i'm kind of fascinated by it um so i'd like to be able to do that every now and then and um and another related note midroll is actually uh i think the prime mover behind this uh, podcast festival that they're doing it's in southern california in anaheim in orange county uh the weekend of october 29th there are about 30 different podcasts that are going to be performing live at this festival including the incomparable we will have a uh pretty 
uh, it, it's looking like a bunch of people from The Incomparable are going to be there. So if you like that podcast, my podcast, or um, other, there's some other amazing podcasts. Hello from the Magic Tavern is going to be there, which is really exciting for me because I love that podcast. Anyway, it's called Now Hear This. Like, huh? Listen. The anyway, it's, so you can go to nowhearthisfest.com if you're interested in that. That's the weekend of October 29th. You can come and see us on the 29th. We'll be performing live in Anaheim. Awesome. I'll put a link in the show notes. What are you yeah, going to be cool. doing? Remains to be seen. Might be a regular incomparable episode. Might be a weird mashup kind of game show draft something. Uh, depends on who's there. Um, the slot is 90 minutes, I think. Um, so we could just do a regular episode, but I kind of kind of would like to make it a little bit wackier than that. At Macworld Expo, we often did drafts, and I like those. We did like the computer draft once at Macworld Expo Live, and that was fun. So um, I'm still figuring it out, and it really does. Usually with the incomparable, you uh, pick a topic, and then people say if they want to be there. But in this case, basically, people are saying if they can come to Anaheim, and then I'm going to have a list of who's going to be there. And trying to pick something that everybody can participate in will be a little bit of a trick. But it's be cool, though. We're, uh, we're figuring it out. Yeah, yeah, it should be fun. It's not, not the first time we've done it. We're not going to do like a radio theater performance, I think. I, don't, uh, I think that's not what, what the intent is here. I think it's going to be something else, but it should be fun. Um, oh, one other piece of follow-up for you. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? I, <laughs> I, uh, I made... So this is this is the... I, I tweeted about this this week that uh, there's nothing... One of the fascinating things about podcasting is... And you actually get to find out when people listen to your podcast is you say something wrong mm-hmm. and then throughout the week people uh, helpfully tell you that you got it wrong. And so we posted that episode, what, Sunday night, Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Um, and from then through this morning... <laughs> <laughs> I have been getting notes from people about how I said something wrong sitting in an Airbnb in Portland, Oregon last Sunday. I expect so, it will still continue past today. I expect because, yes, because some people don't listen in the first week. Mm-hmm. They listen later. So this will continue. But now I can actually follow up and stop the flow of, of uh, at least from listeners who have listened to episode 107 as well as 106. Um I said there was no now playing app in watchOS 3. And here's the story. In early betas of watchOS 3, there was no now playing app. And I filed a a radar about it, a bug ticket with Apple, and they said that's closed as a duplicate. Uh, One of the problems is like there's a music complication, but if you tap on it, it only shows you the music interface. So if you're playing through a different app like Overcast, that is not helpful. But uh, they added one. They added a now playing app. So it's no longer um, swipe up to the, the control center and be able to control what's playing on your, you know, on your iPhone, essentially, to your headphones. Uh, but an app lives in the dock. When audio is playing through your iPhone, it lives in the watch dock. You can, uh, you can keep it there, or, and I think it comes and goes as you're playing. But it does exist. Um, it's not as well integrated as I would like. I would no. especially like a complication actually, that lets me quick access it or have it be part of the control center, like swipe, swipe up and then swipe right or left, like, like you do on the iPhone in order to get that control. But it is there, and, uh, and I, I said that it wasn't there. And they did actually add that in like beta 3 or beta 4 of watchOS 3, and, uh, and so it does exist, and I said it didn't exist at all. Bad. Yeah, it would be really good if uh, it was maybe contextually aware in some way, you know, like when I'm listening right. to something on my iPhone, like it knows and can do something a little bit more um, 
a little bit more clever than what it does right now because accessing the now playing thing even when it's in a dock is not always the easiest thing to do because sometimes I'm swiping all the way to one side or something because I was just in an application so it's now on the end of the dock. So I'm happy that it's there because if it wasn't there that would have uh-huh. been a real disappointment. Um, but it, it it's nowhere near as easy to get to those controls as it used to be. No, and that's how I described it, right? Is that is that um, even the old on WatchOS two? This is one of the only regressions, but it, it's one I use. And when we talked about how the the AirPods have no uh, controls, really, um, this was one of the options. This is the, that was the context of that conversation. Is yeah, but if you've got an Apple Watch, you actually have some controls for your playback on your wrist that you can use. Uh, which you know, uh, it's not a it's not a solution to say you don't have an Apple Watch and you're having trouble with your AirPods. You should buy an Apple Watch. That's a little bit silly. But if you have an Apple Watch and you get AirPods or even other wireless headphones like the ones that I use, um, it, it, it's a way you could do it. But on the old OS, I could swipe up. And and literally like spin um, the crown to change the volume, or swipe up and tap to pause, or go uh, forward or back. And now I have to tap to bring up the dock, and then tap on the now playing app, and then do my motion. And it's just it's it's a little more fiddly. And if it's not if the, if it's not right visible in the dock, you have to move mm-hmm. to that one in the dock and tap on it. And it's one of those things that. Um, I, I'm glad that it's there, uh, but it still feels like it could be contextually, like you said, a little bit quicker access would be nice because I think this is actually a big feature that's only going to get bigger as people use, uh, AirPods because a, a lot of, a lot of Apple watch people will probably get AirPods and the Apple watch is a great remote for AirPods that gives you more control, but it's not maybe yep. as good as it could be. That was like my, my thinking would be like, oh, you know, the fact that there isn't Playback controls on the AirPods is a shame, but I can use my watch. I always have my watch on. It's like, yeah, I can still do that, but it'd be way better if it was easy, super easy for me to access still, but it's not. That's a shame. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Samsung again. Uh, there was a really interesting okay. article that I saw today from Bloomberg Technology um, about the battery problem that they're having. Um, and it kind of went into a little bit more detail from some anonymous sources uh, as to why it happened. So, of course, take it with a grain of salt. It's anonymous sources, but Bloomberg has a pretty good track record, you know. And, and I'm, I'm sure they, as you know, we spoke, speak about whenever we talk yep. about any of the German reports. They do a lot of work to try and make sure they're doing these things right. They talk to a lot of analysts. They're really kind of clued into this stuff. So, basically, what. Um, Bloomberg are saying that they've heard is that Samsung really rushed the Note 7 to be out before the iPhone because they had heard what was coming in the iPhone and because there was no device like um, hardware design changes they wanted to get their product out quickly because it had some really interesting things and is incredibly good looking right? the Note 7 in my opinion the Note 7 is and the, the Galaxy S7 I think it's called now uh, are the best-looking phones on the market today. Um, I think they are fantastic. Hmm. I love the way the screens go edge-to-edge, especially on the ones where they wrap around, to the point where you can get a phone with the size of a Plus, like a 7 Plus. You can get the screen size of that, but in the form factor of a 7. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I really hope that Apple take a clue out of Samsung's book now and actually try and make something that looks a little bit more like these than what we have right now, because that is a incredible design the edge to edge anyway so they wanted to try and push it out 
so they would be out before Apple. So they shortened all their timelines, they shortened all their deadlines, they pushed a lot on their suppliers, they pushed a lot on their people. They're talking about like people sleeping in their offices and stuff like that because they wanted to take all these risks to try and make sure that they could be out up front. This ultimately resulted in the phone not being completely designed correctly from a technical perspective and not adequately tested. And for as much as you can tell, there seems to be maybe two potential reasons as to why this may have happened. Uh, it may have been that the battery was too big for the housing and was causing some heat issues and or the increased power from the battery because they went from a, I think, a 3000 to a 3500 milliamp hour battery. Uh, it was too powerful for the fun. So it was one of the, basically there are two schools of thought right now uh, as to what exactly happened. But the idea of the fact that they rushed it is the overriding reason as to why this problem occurred. So I think this is clearly a bad decision in hindsight, but you can totally see why they did it, right? Like from a business perspective, like this was a a risk that you would take, right? This was a gamble that they took and now they're hurting from it. And honestly, I hope that they're able to recover from it because Samsung are doing really interesting stuff and Apple needs good competition. Oh, I'm sure they're going to be able to recover, but it's going to it's going to hurt them. Yeah, I mean, like, recover quickly, right? They will obviously yeah. recover, but, like, you know, the fact that the next phone that they release... They might miss a cycle, right? Yeah, exactly. And the next phone, there might be some skepticism. And, I mean, there'll be residual problems for them. I mean, there's no doubt, but I'm sure they'll come back. You're right, it's a gamble. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good way to put it, is... The question is the level of arrogance going on here. Like, did they really believe that they could just push it and it would be fine? Or did they... I, I doubt they actually thought, well, let's do this really fast and hopefully we'll come up with a phone. The chances are pretty good that our phone won't explode. That's probably not what they thought. No, that, that thought never entered their mind, right? They right. were just like, we know we can do this stuff. Let's just do it quicker. So I, I, maybe this comes from me following Apple for years, but I look at this story and the one thing that I keep... Ha- that tickles the back of my head is I feel like one of the problems with Samsung is that they are, I mean, they always talked about being a fast follower, right? This is part of their, their, their culture. And I see it here. It's like Samsung seems to define itself by its competition. And in terms of the smartphone market by Apple. And we saw that early on where they just aped Apple's stuff. And now you're you're absolutely right. They have pushed some stuff ahead. The entire Note line, which was a joke at the beginning, but proved to be uh, find a market that uh, that people wanted those large phones. And p- everybody thought that that was everybody else was following Apple, and they they went beyond. They did phones of all sorts of different sizes. They learned a lot, and they found that the phablet category was a real thing, and that people wanted those big phones. So full credit to them. That this is not all that they do, but sometimes I think maybe. Samsung's culture is a little bit too focused on Apple. And you could argue, look, Apple's number one. Um, Of course you want to take on number one and you want to strategize about how you can beat Apple. On another level, I think, you know what? There's 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 a lot of smartphones being sold. Samsung is the leading Android smartphone vendor. It's basically Samsung and Apple. And Samsung is taking, you know, Apple's got the market of people who want Apple and Samsung's got the, the, the biggest chunk of the market of people who don't want Apple stuff. They want Android stuff. And I don't know, at what point do you say we should, our stuff should stand on its own and we can beat Apple? Like, it's not like Apple, 
Um, but I think that was what they were saying, though, right? They believed that they could, so they wanted to get it out before them to show how the, much better the film was. No, be. but the, but that's 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 not that's exactly wrong, though. That that's oh, right, saying okay. that's saying we we're going to make the best product. No, no, no. We need to make the best product we can really fast so that we can be out there before Apple because what we want to do is jump in front of Apple with something that's more interesting. Because we read rumor sites that say that Apple's phone is going to be kind of boring and that this is an opportunity for us to really punch Apple in the face by rushing out a product. Product a month or yeah, a month before they make say, their announcement though, we don't know that apple doesn't do this stuff right like th- there is a perception of them as the perfect corporate company but i think that the new phone shows some interesting decisions of them as a business sure that makes sure, decisions of course of course they're a business that makes decisions but i guess part of it is apple still you know just comes out with an iphone in the fall yeah, but maybe the plus was a little bit early, right? Because they didn't have all the features for it. <laughs> and so what? I, what I guess what I'm saying is is maybe a little bit of never let them see you sweat, and a little bit of um, if you're the 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 one of the business parables is um, that Coke's uh, Coke's st- uh, slogan for its for its company was for internally was you know our company company goal is continue to be the number one soft drink company in the world. And Pepsi's was beat Coke, and you could argue that 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 fo- if you're number two, focusing on beating number one should be what your company is all about. But you could also make the argument that focusing on being on beating your competition and being number one is not necessarily the same as focusing on yeah. making a good product and doing what you're best at and letting the market come around to the fact that you are producing a better product. And that's that's all I'm saying here is mm-hmm. I get a little bit of a tickle when I look at this story, the Bloomberg story of like, come on, Samsung, you're doing really well. You've got innovative stuff. You've come a long way in the last few years. Why make a bet like this? Is it? Did you really need to be out a month before the iPhone? I mean, maybe, maybe so, but I just kind of don't think it's worth it's worth that. I think they're. I, I could see like LG doing it or something, right? Where they're like, "Oh man, we got to do this," or Huawei or something like like we got we got to get noticed, we got to get out there. But this is Samsung. Did they really need to do this? And they, and it bit him. And it's too bad, but um, it is a fascinating story. And uh, I just I just had that moment of. I'm sure Apple is very competitive on the inside, but on the outside, they're like, we're just grinding. We're never going to let them see us sweat. We're just yeah. going to put out a product. Here's our product. And I- Yeah, they don't let it show anymore. They had they had yeah. a time where they would like throw jabs at people, but luckily that's kind of stopped now, which I like. Yeah. You know, like they didn't mention Samsung on stage, right? Samsung mentioned Apple on stage where nothing had happened, right? Saying about the headphone jack, but Apple just like keeps it to themselves. Like, and how perfect it is, right, to say... Your phone's catch on fire, but they just kept their mouth closed, which I think is the right way to go. Yeah, because it could be them next time. I mean, yep. and Google will stop doing a lot of that as well. There was a time yeah. where every Google I/O keynote was just how many Apple jokes can we string together, but that's all stopped now. So I don't think yep. it's the better way to be. Let's be classy, you know. Let's just be classy. <laughs> um, let's talk about the upgrade program, which is not this. Uh, it's the iPhone upgrade program. Yeah, I, I, you, yeah, I saw this in the notes. The upgrade program. Welcome, everyone, <laughs> Welcome to, the to the upgrade, upgrade program, program on BBC Radio 4. Uh, there has been some follow-up and some interesting occurrences with the iPhone upgrade program. So after last week's episode, it seems like Apple started to get their stuff together. You know, we were talking about people trying to go who were part of the upgrade program couldn't get their phones, which was like a what is going on? Like you'd, you know, as we were saying, in the back of your mind, you expect you kind of have a phone guaranteed. But they was like, well, no, you have to wait like everybody else, or maybe even longer. Now, many people wrote in to say that after a week, they were getting some emails from Apple, blah, 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 like saying to call them. 
Many people I heard from spent over two hours on the phone with Apple support, but it seemed like every interaction ended up being positive. So yeah. the, the two hours on the phone, I don't think you can blame Apple for this. This was like a day or two after they announced a new iPhone. Like, this is what happens. Like, after the iPhones went on sale. Like, this is just people calling up to try and find out if they're stock, to try and find out X, to try and find out Y. Like, that's what's going to happen. There's no, like, amount of staffing that they could put on to, to fix this problem. Like, this is just how it's going to be. Right? You could right. never get people adequately trained enough to deal with two weeks of high call support volume. And then go away. Now, see, what they, Apple have learned now for next year is, okay, how do we avoid letting people be on the phone for two hours? Indeed. That's you know, the way yeah. I look at it. Because they seem to have, for many people at least, solved the issue by speaking to people on the phone, finding some stock for them, telling them, we're going to set you a reservation for this local store, maybe not the one you thought about. We're going to have a phone for you waiting there. And there has also been some reports that Apple then started holding back some phones uh-huh. For the res- for these people, so now like a lot of people who said that their phones were going to be shipping in October, they're now shipping now because they sorted everyone on the upgrade program out. So it seems like Apple jumped on this because they were surprised by it, is how it seems. But it looks like that they have got it kind of sorted out. But I would I would expect next year there's going to be a lot more communication and a much better flow for these customers. Yeah, like one of the people that wrote into us is upgrading and Casey. Um, not Mr. Liss, and uh, no. Casey said that he was on the phone for, for two hours. I saw some friends who were doing it, um, and they were on the phone for two hours. And talking about two hours, actually, I went to the Apple store to pick up my phone, and the lady said to me, you're not doing the upgrade program, are you? Like, really, like, worried about it. I was like, no, no, I'm just buying outright. And she's like, oh, good, because it's been down all morning. And it was 8.30 at this point. So her previous customer, like, the store opened at 8.00. Her previous customer he got completely broke. And then I was seeing people that I know and talking to people from the UK saying who have spent like three hours in the store trying to get their phones on the upgrade program. The system just completely died. Oh. Which reminds me of the first iPhone. So yeah. when I tried to buy the first iPhone in the UK, they were doing card transactions only, no cash to stop scalping. And I was third in line. My brother had left school at three o'clock. He went to stand in line for me. I left work at five. When I met him, I stood in line. I was in the store for an hour and a half because this is a car phone warehouse. It was like a chain of uh, right, like phone stores. It's like a phone store, and they were the only ones selling it at that point. I don't know why we didn't have them in the Apple stores, but it was only a car phone warehouse, and uh, all this network, complete network across the country went down. So they were like, "You're just gonna have to get cash." So everybody was going out to the cash machines and just giving them like six hundred pounds in cash and taking the phones. And they're like, "You're gonna have to activate it at home." It was amazing. They, they were just like, there's nothing we can do. We have this line of like 100 people and we can't even serve customer number one. It was, it was insane. Nobody expected it. This had never happened before, right? That people yeah. were lining up for a phone. So their systems couldn't deal with all of these transactions because they went on sale at 6.02 in the, in the evening, which ended up being like a, a thing that stuck for a few years because the network O2 were the exclusive carrier of the iPhone. Uh, so they put them all, all on sale at two minutes past the hour. Also, Apple realized that perhaps not having all the iPhones in the world start activating at exactly the same moment was probably a good idea. Yeah. Yep. So instead, it was it became a rolling like local time in the morning. You could get your phone instead of it being. But that first well, one, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that 
Jason. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Well, uh, so I wanted to say, so it's the first year of the upgrade program being uh, having the upgrades happen, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think you're exactly right that that as we talked about last week a little bit, this is the opportunity for Apple to say, okay, how do we minimize? people on the phone how do we get people's orders in early you know we know these people are going to want a new phone we should we should ask them what model they want as soon as we announce the new iphone we should say hey the new iphone's coming if you want to upgrade go to this page choose your model we'll tell you when you're going to get it having all that and i'm sure they're going to do that it's just a matter of um that this will be a learning process from them. And I, I also wanted to mention, talk about that podcast effect of saying things and then seeing what happens and getting the feedback. We It did seem to start changing right after we talked about it. Like Monday morning, it seems like Apple kind of had a strategy shift with the upgrade people to make them uh, make it right with them a little bit more. And as a result of what we were talking about uh, on Sunday, we got uh, feedback from people as they were getting, as they were hearing from their upgrade people, including Casey, but a bunch of other people too, and that was kind of cool to see because they were all saying the same thing, which is, which is, Apple is um, working on making this better than I thought it was last week, right? Which is, which is a good sign. Again, it's sort of damage control and trying to fix what was broken, but this all leads into hopefully a much streamlined uh, upgrade program next year. We'll hope so. All right, yep. after this break, upgrade iPhone review time. So so excited. This week's episode is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile. Text Expander puts the power, the amazing power of text shortcuts in the palm of your hands, right at your fingertips, in fact, because with just a few keystrokes, you'll be able to expand phrases, sentences, paragraphs, images, whatever you need in a flash. Put quite simply, you are able to communicate smarter with Text Expander. You'll be able to speed through and still customize all of the repetitive text that you need to enter when you use fill-in snippets. So I do these a lot when I send emails to people. I have like a couple of lines that are basically always the same, but it's being addressed to someone and maybe I have to choose one of a couple of options. So I just have a Text Expander snippet. I just type in the name, choose from a couple of drop downs and it's done instead of me having to type out the whole thing every time sometimes that's just the type of communication that you're sending right like you're sending one email to 10 different people so but you have to send it all separately because you need to address them you know and you want to do it so you get that personal touch this is the stuff that you're able to do with text expander and now you can even transform all that repetitive stuff into knowledge because of the text expander team subscriptions you're able to share all of your snippets with your whole team and make everyone more productive keeping everyone on the same page this is perfect for sharing consistent answers within a support team consistent marketing messages across a whole company or even just between a couple of friends you know, maybe you're working on a little business together and you want to share some text expander snippets. Super simple to do. Text expander for teams now includes group statistics as well. So you can see how much more productive your team is becoming when they use text expander and also which you use most often. And that's quite key, right? Like if you find out maybe there's one snippet that you're using more often than any others, maybe you want to take a look at that one and hone it and make sure it's perfect because that's the one that seems to be getting sent out a lot. Or if you're working maybe on software development and you see that your support staff is sending the same thing over and over and over again maybe there's a bug you need to look at who knows you can try text expander for free for 30 days and text expander subscriptions include software for mac ipad iphone and windows which is now in beta life hacker subscriptions cost 40 dollars per year and include all of the apps and the text expander sharing service upgrade discounts are also available for registered text expander users team subscriptions also include organization focused snippet and team management detailed access control consolidated billing and so much more. Go to smilesoftware.com slash upgrade for more information. Thank you so much to Smile for their support 
of this show. All right, All right. Mr. Snell. So, yes, sir. You have uh, put together a great iPhone review, which people should go and read. Uh, I did say to you privately, and I'll say it here again, this is my favorite that I read. Oh, uh, I thought it was really good. What can I say? Uh, captured by that <laughs> Snell charm. Mm. You get me uh, every yes, time. Of course. Famous. You get me every time. Um, so there's a lot here. Now, if you will so permit me, I would like to run through my kind of thoughts and feelings about the iPhone. Um, and D- Denied. No, okay. I'm not going to Well, I'm going to do it anyway. Sorry. Let's, okay, fine. Uh, no, and then you. you can kind of chip in with your thoughts as well. Because people, I'm sure everyone right. that's listened to this show has either already read your iPhone review or paused the show to go and read it right now. <laughs> I'm sure. Right? <laughs> But sure. this is my place. This is where I talk about my feelings yep. about the iPhone. And I have many. I am interested in your feelings about the iPhone. So I want to preface this. I don't usually do this, but I want to preface this review. This is an opening statement you're making I have here? an opening statement. Oh, boy. Here we go. I love my 7 Plus. I think the iPhone 7 Plus is a great phone. And I'm very happy that I made the upgrade. Um, I recommend it to many people that listen to this show. Like, if you are a technology focused person like we are i recommend it because you're going to get a lot out of this device but there are some interesting decisions and things that have happened to this phone that i think need to be in some parts praised and some parts criticized in equal measure even some one decisions need to be praised and criticized so i want to do all of that i want to talk about all of that i also have uh, documented the entire setup process so I can go through that again, like we did last time. Is that okay? Yeah, uh, yeah. Do you, what do you think about my opening statement? I, I think I think that you're saying nice things about it because you are about to say all the things that you found that are wrong with it. But that's I'm also going to talk about all the things that I like. Okay, right? but right. I have I have a lot of things that I think are really strange, and I don't want people to think that I'm just ragging on the phone until yeah. I get to the end. You know, so I want to just talk about everything that I've yep. that I've found about it. So. First off, I have the gold phone, uh, but uh, they had some demo units of the 7 um, in both of the black models uh, mm-hmm. in the store. They didn't have any pluses because that was the thing. There were no pluses available for, to buy anywhere. Interesting. They didn't even in the, in the store have the black uh, demo units for the plus, just the 7s, just the regular size. Seems like either it's a combination of the plus being more popular and maybe them not making enough. I don't know, but there seems to have they're, they're con- severely supply constrained here. So yeah, I saw both of them. Now this is eight thirty in the morning. The store had been open for thirty minutes. They were both covered in fingerprints, like oh, sure. just covered, and I I didn't like it. Uh, I preferred the matte black out of the two of them. Um, I will call it matte black forever, by the way, because. You can't call something black and jet black. Like, you have to give the black one another name, right? You call it soft matte. Soft matte black. I preferred that of the two of them. Because to me, I know everybody loved the jet black. The jet black just looks like the 3GS. It just looks like shiny plastic. And I don't like that look. It does. It, 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 there is no doubt it reminded me of the 3G and the 3GS. That, that, except that that is that big plastic curved back and this is this you know super shiny yeah. but flat back but material like the way the materials look it just looks yeah. like there's this like covering of, of plastic over the top of it it's very strange looking but i can also i also can see why people love it because it really does look just like it's made out of one thing it looks like yeah. when it's off it's just a stone 
this is the the what I what I wrote in my review is this is I believe the Johnny Ive dream that he's been working towards since the original iPhone, which is curved edges, um, slab, one material all the way around, as if it's just a single unbroken surface. Because the there are antenna lines, but you can basically not see them. And the when the screen is off, the the um, the glass in the front and the, and the material in the back looks. Uh, essentially the same. So you know what I want? I want a white yeah. ceramic <laughs> all the way around, you know? But it, but it won't be because the screen will still be black. That's that's, that's why this is... A, I heard John Syracuse ah, talking about this on, yeah, on ATP. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't like um, white front iOS devices because the screen's black. And, and when uh, the screen does come on, you're now competing with the white of the material of the frame with the white on the screen. And I don't think that's a great comparison either. So I always have preferred black framed iOS devices. I like the, I like the, the jet black a lot. I like the matte black too. If they made the matte black only, I would be beside myself about that, that uh, design. Cause I think it looks great, but I think the, uh, I think the jet black is great too. I actually kind of like the prefer the jet black in terms of fingerprints because although it's got fingerprints i also feel like i can just sort of wipe it off and and the the it's got the you know oleophobic coating on the back there and and they they wipe off pretty well whereas when i try to wipe off the back of the of the 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 matte black which i also have that those are my two review units or or, were both different uh, blacks the um that one it just smudges (laughs) so i actually think it looks worse um, with fingerprints on it than the than the the jet black does, um, and I, I anyway I think it's sort of like the the ultimate Johnny Ive design. He's been going for this since the beginning. I said in my review that it, it sort of makes the uh, original iPhone look like clown pants because if you look at it, it's like there's sort of like the black bottom of the back and the silver top of the black of the back, and it's got the the glass front, and then it's got the, the like shiny chrome frame around it. It's like all these different materials. <laughs> it's like how many can we fit in here? Well, and, and you know that that was just, you know, that, that chrome frame, there's no way that Johnny Ive was really happy about that because it doesn't match anything else. But it's like, yeah, well, that's what we got to do, so we're going to do it. And um, this is this is his thing. So it's not for everybody, but it, it does feel that way. And I would also say people were talking about grippiness, and I, I, I was trying to imagine, like, how could the jet black model be grippier? It doesn't make any sense. But because it's not that... Um, it's this polished uh, covering instead of the uh, the sort of traditional uh, rougher anodized aluminum, and and what you get is that effect of if you've got uh, if you've got a slightly damp finger, slightly and and our fingers generally are a, li- a little bit damp. That's that's how people are, um, and you run it on a pane of glass. You know how it sort of sticks a little bit, or 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 if you pull it hard, you can actually make the glass like squeak. It's that effect that's happening. It's so smooth on the back that it actually sort of like grabs onto your fingertip and the moisture in your fingertip as you as you move. And so it is absolutely grippier. I have been using this since I got it without a case, which I never did for my 6 and my 6S. And that's been a lot of fun because it's it's a way better product out of the case. And I feel much more confident about holding on to it than I do with the uh, the normal anodized backs of the other uh, of the other phones. Yeah, um, I always keep my phone in a case. So... You know, the, the, the special So it could be any color, back. really. <laughs> exactly. So for me, <laughs> I like the gold and the rose gold because I like the accent colors. So, like, I have it in a nice blue case, and I get the gold Touch ID ring. I see a bit of gold at the bottom, a bit of gold at the back and the side. I like that more. It's got a little bit more of the flair that I'm looking for. Like, just, just not too much, right? Like, it's not ostentatious. It's just, like, a little bit, and you can match it with the case, and I like uh-huh. that. 
So that's why I go for the colours these days. I really wished that they would maybe give me a black one. I'd like to try, you know, black and gold, see what that looks like, or black, or just all of one colour. Give me blue, red, pink even. Just, you know, let's mix it up. But anyway, yeah. um, it is very, they are very good looking. I can see that and I appreciate that. They're just not, I just don't think they're my preference, which is fine. That's why they make a bunch of them. Um, whilst we're on kind of hardware, something that immediately got me. The SIM tray is super hard to open now because it has yeah, it a seal is. on it. Genius, right? Of course it does. Everything needs to be sealed up because of the water. Yeah, it, I felt like the um, I had a, a paper clip that I usually use to pop the SIM tray out. Because yeah, so I, Let's talk about this for one second because yeah. I keep hearing this from my friends. Every iPhone I have ever received has a SIM tool in it. Yeah, that doesn't happen in the US when you buy a locked phone. Right, see, because ours are basically all un- unlocked to mm-hmm. a point. So there's always a SIM. Every time I've ever bought an iPhone, now this may have changed recently, but like when I bought them even from carriers, the box always had the little SIM removal tool in it. Weird. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, so I, and I have some around, but you know you can never find one when you need one. But anyway, my point is that the, the, the paperclip I used didn't fit, so I had to find something else. Because oh. it was, I think, I, feel, I think the hole is a little bit smaller, too, on top of everything else. And it was harder to pop it out, mm-hmm. for sure. I feel like I should gray market these things. I have so many of them. Right, Jason. Mm. Yes, Mike. You remember love from last year? We it's 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 perhaps our uh, you know I would say maybe our most notable episode that we've ever done. I thought yep. we really nailed it, and we really kind of and people uh, reacted well to it. And it was it was our discussion of the act of buying a new iPhone and getting it going, which should be a joy. You just spent a lot of money on a fancy new iPhone. The next steps, what happens next and how does it go? And we said last year that it felt like Apple needed to tighten up its game on this a lot, that it was not a fun experience to get your iPhone uh, set up. It was more like uh, uh, something to be endured. Yeah, it was, what is it? I think it was like two episodes um, in total, but like the one where we actually kind of really went into it was episode 56 called The Migration Experience, which is a great yeah. name for that episode, where we just spoke about how hard it is and how hard it's become to set up an iPhone for many different reasons. And it's because they, over time, Apple are adding more and more and more to this stuff. And Apple's kind of way of not syncing a lot of these things with iCloud because of security, whilst they're great for our security, does add a lot to this process. So what I did this time was I wrote down every step that I had to take to get my phone set up. So the first thing that I did was backed up my old phone on iTunes with an encrypted backup because this is what saves the passwords. Now, I've seen some people talking about this. I don't know if this is confirmed, that iCloud backups are now encrypted, so they will save passwords. But I I do this stuff over iTunes because... I don't have the best internet connection, so I want to try and make sure I get everything possible quickly. So I backed it all up, turned on the new phone. I had to enter my Wi-Fi information. Um, I had to then set up Touch ID, which you can only do the one thing for, so you then have to go and set up later the rest of your fingers, which is fine. Then I set up a passcode. Then I restored from backup. So that takes however long that takes, let's say 30 minutes. Uh, then I had to set up Apple Pay again. So I had to enter in some of the information from my card, get a text message which I had to enter in a code yeah. from. Right. Then I had to... Then I was thinking to myself, it popped into my head, what do I do with my Apple Watch? And I couldn't quite remember. 
So I decided to go for it and just unpaired my Apple Watch from my old phone, which yeah. takes quite a while to do. Uh, because the whole time I'm thinking, like, do I back this up? Like, I can't see an option to back this up. It, right, and the unpairing backs it up, I believe. Which is I think not that's actually... said anywhere. Like, you know, I know I, what I, they're I, trying to do. I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to make it a seamless experience. But just one line that says unpair and back up, like, that's all it has to say. Because you don't know what you're doing. You're, like, entering an abyss. I am surprised that the Apple Watch backup transfer thing has not gotten better this year i guess they were really working on watch os 3 and that was the priority and probably should be because that's the experience that you have every day but i'm a little surprised that it still is a big pain to move your apple watch when you buy a new iphone but there it is so that's what you do you unpair it 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 backs it it up i think Um, that the process is totally fine like what happens like um, you unpair backs up and then you set it up with a new one, restore from a backup, right? Which is going to yeah. iCloud. But it doesn't tell you. And I don't think that it is like a thing that you just assume is going to work, right? Because that's not how any other devices work. Because it's so intrinsically tied to the phone. You know, it just it's just the whole thing is frustrating. So I did it. I unpaired my Apple Watch. It was going in the background. Then you have to set up the home button. Now you choose your customization for how forcefully it hits you back when you click it. Then my phone is ready, it unlocks, and I'm waiting for apps to download. This drives me crazy. This drives me crazy. Why am I backing up the phone and then downloading applications again? Why can I not just do a complete backup to iTunes and then put it all back again? Like, why can't I do that? I don't know why a backup means then download all of your apps from the store again. Like, the data is kept but the apps are downloaded. And like in a world with super fast internet connections, this isn't a problem. But this isn't the life for everyone. And also, like there are problems I'll get into in a minute, which make this a terrible solution for iPhone launch day. I don't know why they do this. Right. It's funny, too, because I think there's some inconsistency here, which is when I uh, attached my iPhone to my, uh, my Mac and, and tried to back it up on iTunes, what it told me, and I had an iCloud backup, but I, I thought I would try it this way too. And, and it gave me the, there are some, there's some content on your device that isn't in your iTunes library. I, I need to sync that back before I do the backup. And I thought, don't, I don't want to sync my phone with my iTunes. I just want you to make a backup. Yeah. And, and I, I gave up. If I'm remembering correctly, the, the ability to backup apps and then re-download apps to iTunes changed last year didn't it this was part of the big problem it's like they always download from the store now well, right the argument is that if you're um if they're doing the, that space saving thing where it's actually dynamically giving you a different binary based on what your phone is then if you're if you're upgrading from an iphone 5 to an iphone 7 you're going to get a different version of that app they can't just pull down the binary from the 5 and push it to the 7 um so they're they're embracing the cloud for that reason, and fair enough. But as as we we will get to, um, the challenge then is you've got a lot of devices trying to download items from the app store <laughs> immediately upon getting the new phone. Yeah. So they better they better well download, and um, that is where I got stuck. That that was that was the problem is that I had some confusion, and I think I ended up like logging out of the app store in oh. settings and then logging back in and that seemed to kind of 
and then and I, at some point I restarted and it seemed to get it to life. But I had a long period of time where all of my apps were basically paused or, or mm-hmm. waiting to download and didn't download. Yeah, I, a long after time. a little while, I started getting a bunch of app install errors. Like this app couldn't be installed. Retry and you'd retry it and it would fail again and fail again. Um, so that was the thing I was dealing with. That was popping up randomly. Some apps were installing, some weren't. Then I tried to set up my Apple Watch again in the Apple Watch app, and it got stuck on the terms of condition screen for like five minutes. It was just spinning, <laughs> spinning, spinning. I had no idea what was happening. I quit the app, did it again, and then it just starts pairing. It's like, hey, pair your Apple Watch. And still, I'm like, "Am I? have I done this wrong? I have no idea if I've done this wrong. Um, and then it ended up like after a while, the Apple Watch set up and everything was there. I had to like set up some stuff again like it seemed like the watch os3 plus application stuff like a bunch of complications got knocked off like until the apps were updated but like that was like whatever but the the whole process with the apple watch was frustrating because at no point during this like one hour process i had any idea if i'd done it right until it opened up and had done it right again i i still don't have apple pay on my watch because an error occurred while setting up apple pay Hmm. is what i get every time i try to add the card that's on my phone and I can't even take action. It's just an error occurred, and that's been occurring since the you know since I put it on there. I have no idea why. So after dealing with my Apple Watch and all the install errors, I set up all my other fingers for Touch ID, and then nice. I like I like that we live in a world where you have to set up fingers. That's yeah, interesting. Just go back there and do all of that again. Yeah, and then at a certain point, all applications stopped installing. Um. So this is, I, I started doing this pretty early in the day, right? So I'm back at home doing this at like 9.30 in the morning. So by this point, like when I started, so by this point, I'm getting close to 11 a.m. This is when I assume lots of people start getting their phones around Europe and stuff like that. So this is just when the uh, app store just starts to fail. And then after a while, a bunch of apps didn't install and their icons disappeared. So this happened last year as well. So I then had to do like an inventory of my old phone to my new phone and work out which apps hadn't installed. Then I had to download all my Apple Music again. Yeah. So this was my setup process. It ends with me looking at both of my phones and choosing which applications the phone has decided not to download and then downloading my Apple Music. So I will say overall... This was still very complicated and annoying, but nowhere near as bad as last year. And I think there's a couple of reasons for this. Yeah, I was going to say, I I ended up ultimately restoring from iCloud and the encrypted iCloud backup. So the number of passwords I had to re-enter was so much less than back when they weren't encrypting yeah. the iCloud backups. And I have, to, I have to applaud them for that. I was still frustrated by the attempt to iTunes backup because it wanted to pull content off of my phone and put mm-hmm. it on my... In, in iTunes, just like I don't do, I don't play that game. I don't want to. I don't want to have apps, iOS apps on my Mac. I'm not interested in having them present there. Just, just do a little backup file, you know, encrypted backup file with all my stuff in it, and that failed. But the, but the iCloud backup, yeah, was so much speedier because all of that data transferred. But it's you know, the, the issue is the App Store on this day cannot handle these people coming to it it's the same as the two-hour wait thing right yeah and and it's and it's this is one of those cases where apple just needs this if this is unavoidable which it may be because of the way they set up uh the the app downloading system if it's unavoidable then they uh they need to 
really work on handling demand because uh, it's not a surprise that there's a huge amount of iPhone demand. And I know that it's very difficult to scale for the one or two days where you need vastly more than you need the rest of the year. But this is your this is the biggest product at your company and the biggest product in some ways in the world uh you gotta you gotta make the onboarding experience good for everybody and that means meeting that means meeting this demand so it feels like this was the number one problem with this is apple services were really shaky that day i mean i apple music stopped working at one point on my mac and and a bunch of people saw this where it was like i haven't been able there's a really annoying dialogue that comes up in itunes which is very Un- unfriendly and unmac like which is something like I haven't been able to connect to a- Apple Music for the last 20 seconds or something like that okay <laughs> like it's okay like, alert alert you're stealing music you're stealing music you might be we don't know we I don't know where I am I'm confused so this is the thing is clearly uh, lots of things bad, bad that were bad were happening to Apple server infrastructure on iPhone day this is not a surprise though right so that that's the challenge for Apple is how how do we uh, either increase our server capacity so this doesn't happen or change the way we handle the upgrade experience to get some of the load off of our servers. And that might be something like having your backup contain apps um, and only restore them, you know, restore the ones that are compatible via app thinning and the ones that aren't, you mark them as you need to redownload this. Or I, I don't know, right? I mean, but are there things that, that they can change in the backup process or the upgrade process that, that lighten the load on the servers? That's one strategy. And another strategy in addition to that probably is how do we make the server... Uh, it, uh, servers stay up how are we hitting the servers how do we keep them up do we need to increase capacity temporarily but clearly they need to do some more work here because they just can't it's it's a on day one it's a bad experience and i know yeah okay day day three it's not so bad necessarily but here's the thing like we were talking about last week with the upgrade customers um and and actually there was a, a people had to do a uh uh who went to the 10.0 update on their old devices on day one, this also happened after last week's show, in the first hour ended up with a phone that needed to be attached to a computer in order to complete the update because there was something wrong. We, we haven't even mentioned that little part of it. But it's the same thing, which is, yeah, you fixed it after the first hour, but who was the da- who's downloading it in hour one? Your biggest fans, your, your most excited yeah, customers. Yeah. And this is the same about iPhone day one, which is iPhone day one is the people who are the most excited and you need to have that be a good experience. And it just is, you know, the server stuff just isn't, isn't, uh, isn't there yet. Nope. And it's a shame. It's a real shame. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I as a fairly sophisticated iPhone user, I ended up in that same position, which is um, it's like a mystery. It's like, what do I do mm-hmm. when I have screens full of apps that are sitting there at waiting for hours? What what do I do? How how do I approach this? And I did the, I turned it off. I turned it back on. I logged out of the app store. I logged back into the app store, which is, you know, settings, uh, you know, app store, uh, tap on your Apple ID, sign out, sign back in. I did all of that stuff, and eventually it, it 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 just sort of went. And but even then, it took time, and some things stalled out and came back later. And it's just not great because you know your phone is the apps are very important <laughs> to a phone, and they weren't uh, they were stalled. It was it was uh, too bad. It's really weird that you had these issues as well because this was just a random day for you, right? You were a couple of days before. But it was still issues. So that's true. That's true. I I did experience a lot of these issues not on the Friday, but on the Wednesday. 
Yeah. But like I got to say, overall, it was better. And I don't know why. Maybe the, there weren't as many problems. Maybe I was used to it. Maybe my expectations were different for how it was going to be this time around. But it was better than last year, but it's still not great. I, I really believe the encrypted backup thing does eliminate a whole slice of complaints that we had the last yeah, time. Yeah, but I did that last year, though. With iTunes. All right. So, like, the thing is, like, the data is all there. Like, even on the applications I had to re-download from the store after they failed, the data was still there. Like, it's just sitting in the iPhone somewhere until you re-download the application again. Um, like, there's, you know, like, it's the whole app. Is it app slicing, they call it? You were mentioning earlier. I think that's what it app is. App thinning? One of those things. Isn't it app yeah, thinning? thinning, slicing. And slicing? It might Who be knows? both. Chopping it up, dicing. Yeah, app. that's it. It's app app dicing. App thinning and resource slicing. See, we're both right. App dicing. Uh, like, I, I gave Apple some slack earlier about the two-hour wait times, right? And saying, like, what are you going to do? Because that's a people problem. Yeah. But this is a technology problem. This is just having more robust technology. And this just costs money. And Apple has all of it. So have some extra servers that come online. I know that's such, like, a layman's way of saying it. That's that's the way I look at it, right? It's like, yeah. you can fix this by throwing more money at this. And quite frankly, you have all the money. So make it better. So I've got some thoughts about the UI of this too that I'm kind of confused about, which is, and I'm sure, this is my standard disclaimer for Apple stuff, but it's like, I'm sure these conversations happen inside Apple, but let's just bring it out and, 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 and talk about it here because inside Apple, conversations stay inside Apple. Is the restore process is the UI for the restore process right? I mean, it's better. It felt like less screens than last time, I've got to say. But it's still like a nightmare of stuff. There, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of questions you have to ask, uh, and 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 you know how 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 vibrating do you want the home button to be, and things like that that it, that are in there. But um, so the apps. So then you get to the home screen. And it's restoring, and it's got to restore all those apps. Is that the right way to do that? Would they? Be, would you be better off having? Uh, having a restore screen that is a progress bar, so your phone is basically unusable, or a or or a different way to display those apps. Do those apps not appear? Um, is there instead like a proxy app that says restoring your apps, and then as the apps are restored, they pop into view? Would that be less frustrating than seeing a hundred apps grayed out, saying you know waiting? I I don't know. I wonder if if this is not instead of making them download faster but in addition is there a way to make it feel less frustrating to but then wouldn't you just think that all your apps were disappeared like you think they all got deleted that's that's the that's the argument right but you could also i mean you could just lock people out and say please wait while i restore your apps but then you can't use anything including the stock apple apps which you want to do so this new phone for a thousand dollars and you know it's difficult i I don't know this is the thing like i don't purport to have all of the answers because i really don't if i had all of the answers then I probably wouldn't be recording this show with you right now, Jason. Uh, I <laughs> no. would be solving the problems. But like, yes. I know my experience as a user, and I know it can be better. And it goes back to like you know trade-offs for security. A lot of this stuff is re-entering stuff because they won't sync it. And I love that yes. they, they keep my data secure. But it's also frustrating. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't know what the trade off. I don't know what the right trade off is there. And frankly, I'll let them make that decision. But I know that there's like five or six screens in that process that could just be synced between devices. You could do it locally over Wi-Fi. Like there is a way to do this. But hey ho, I have so much more to say about this phone, Jason. But I'm okay. done with. I'm done with the setup process now. Um, the phone has been set up. Okay, good, good. 
So let's take At it last. Break. Okay. This episode is brought to you by AppCare and their new service, App Doctor. Now, I'm sure that you've all seen the news by now that Apple is going to start removing apps that are no longer being maintained. They have outlined, Apple have outlined, that all applications must meet three criteria to be able to stay in the App Store. The app must function as expected, it must follow current review guidelines, and must not be outdated. There are many, shall we call them zombie applications, that are going to be cleaned out by Apple because of these rules. But there's also going to be some good apps that I'm sure everybody's got at least one or two apps on their phone that are also going to get hit by this because they do this one little thing that we love, but they're old and they haven't been taken care of in a while. Maybe they were made by you know uh, one guy or one girl in their basement and it's done because it didn't make them any money, but you still use it and love it. You know, There's going to be a ton of apps taken out of the store like this. This is what App Doctor is here to help with. If you have an app, if you've made an app, you're a developer of an application, which you would like to make sure does not get into any of this trouble with the new rules, App Doctor is here for you. For a fixed price of €1,495, App Doctor will ensure that your app is compatible with all the current rules and devices and therefore maintaining its availability in the App Store. App Doctor includes a review of your application to assess full compatibility with current guidelines. Any required fixes for crashes at launch under iOS 10 to help ensure expected functionality and any necessary changes for compatibility with the current review guidelines and devices. AppDoctor will provide a 100% money-back guarantee if they cannot help you with your application. If this is something they cannot bring to life under the new criteria, you will not be charged. So if you have an app that you want to stay in the store or you work for a company that needs their app fixed, you need to check out App Doctor. Listeners of this show will get 20% off with the coupon code UPGRADE9. That's UPGRADE and the number 9. To find out more, go to appcare.io slash upgrade. Thank you so much to AppCare for their support of this show. What an interesting service. So they're going to they're gonna yeah. help they're gonna help out all these developers, I hope and keep some of these applications in the store. You know, I can see a lot of companies mm-hmm. that could find some use out of something like this. So Yeah, it's going to be, people are going to be shocked when their app is uh, kicked out of the store. Yeah, and I think this is a, you know, it's just, an, if, you, if this is the type of stuff that you do, like you do contract work, like this is a great business to set up. So go check out uh, App Doctor by AppCare because I think it's, uh, I think it's kind of very, very smart. Home button. Now, little home button you were mm-hmm. not the thing that i was expecting to be so contentious <laughs> i was expecting headphone jack but i got used to that super quick jason because i use earpods for the majority of my time and i have those i got yep. a little adapter and i'm good that's all fine that's all taken care of home button i was not expecting to be the way that it is so the first click of the home button that is no bueno <laughs> I can't imagine anybody who clicks that button for the first time, and I'll say click and button in the biggest air quotes, finds that to be nice. It is a horrifying experience. So remember when I came back from the event and I said that the home button thing didn't work for me, that Mm -hmm. it was like it felt like it was not not quite the right location and it didn't feel good at all. And that's what you said. That's the no bueno experience right there, which is like, what is going on here? But... um. But uh, one of the things that I discovered is that that was a setting that that home button had been set to a setting that was not the not the strongest setting. Um, so it was a combination of it being kind of a weak vibration and uh, and just the initial experience of like, whoa, this is not what I'm used to with an iPhone button that I've been using for the last nine years. No, uh, I agree with you that setting number three is the correct one It is the most forceful. <laughs> It is the yeah. one that makes it feel like you're actually doing something. But uh-huh. 
this is just weird. So it takes way more pressure to click the home button. The settings of 1, 2, and 3 are not the settings I wanted. I wanted those to be pressure settings, but they're not. They're just feedback settings, right? So how 1, 2, and 3 is just how hard the vibe, the tactic motor goes off. Um, you know, I thought it might be like Touch ID where you could have soft and hard presses, you know, uh, not oh. Touch ID, uh, 3D Touch. The same yeah. on the trackpads, right? You could say how hard it is you want it to be to press. It's not here. So there are some weird things about this. Like, I feel like when I hit the button, the whole bottom of the phone is being clicked in, is how it feels. Like, it's a a hinged screen, right? So, like, you hit it, and then the whole bottom of the phone compresses. Would you agree with that kind of feeling? Like, when you hit that button, it feels like everything's moving. Do you I get that? Don't- that's not how it feels to me. How it feels to me is like when I press it, it's almost like I'm pushing through and I'm feeling because I hold, I hold it. I've got, I'm, you know, my uh, fingers are uh, in behind the phone and my thumb is on the front of the phone and that's okay. how I click it. And it feels to me like I'm pushing through and I'm and and the vibration is carrying through to the back of my hand, like the whole the whole thing is going. So it does it doesn't feel like the whole phone is is bending. That's not how I would describe it. And I don't. I don't have any problem with the pressure of it. It, it. it seems perfectly reasonable to me. So that, you know, I just think different people react to it differently. So like, sure. and every now and then it's funny, like I was finding when, when the first day or two, it's kind of worn off now, but I would hit the button, feel the vibration and thought I did something wrong. Like I thought the phone was telling me I made a mistake. Like well, it was that's just getting was, used to it, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's, I don't feel that anymore. Like, I actually now have gotten used to it, and I take some pleasure in the exaggerated click that it produces. Like, the the, the feeling is more visceral. It's like a, you're in the phone. Like, I like it. But this is not about a button. Like, it's not about a button, and it never will be about a button. And I can't work out the reason why they've done this. Like, if there is a reason, Apple hasn't said that reason. Like... I am sure there are a long list of reasons why they changed the home button. Some we could see now, and some maybe will come clear in the future, right? If all the rumors of the Unicorn 10 are to be believed. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, the reason on stage was, no, it's customizable. It's like, no, nobody needed that. It's like, <laughs> man, I really wished that this button clicked at different forces. Like, <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is my criticism. Is like, we all talk about this. We were talking about this with a headphone, right? We want the story. What is the story of the removal of the headphone jack, right? We got a story. Whether you're happy with that story or not is, is a you know, is whatever. But we got a story, right? We're moving to Wired. We want to get rid of this old technology. We have courage. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but with the, with the home button, nothing. It's like it's customizable. Like there's no reason for it because this is. Look, the reason is that it's um, it's not moving. It's one less place for a wa- for water incursion to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's it's going to be one less moving part that is broken that needs to be fixed. There's lots of they have reasons, right? Uh, you're right. They didn't go into them. Um, That's what I mean. Like, I, I'm sure there are a, a, a laundry list of reasons, but none of it's them funny. are like. Here's why you as a customer is going to get a better experience out of this. It's funny that you feel this way. I I have no problem with it. Having set it to three, I just have I am I have embraced the new home button. It's it works just fine. I have no problem with it. It doesn't bother me at all. So mm. I, well, I I I I kind of enjoy it. 
actually. Well, um, I'm kind of burying the lead on this a little bit. All right. The reason I have an issue with this is because there are times where the home button doesn't work. I press a button that does nothing. So I noticed mm. this thing, right? That if the iPhone 7 home button is covered with any kind of material, something is obstructing it, um, maybe if you're using your fingernail, you're not pressing the phone correctly, there is no click, right? And there was this whole big thing that happened over the weekend with capacitive gloves will solve your problem, blah, 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 blah. My point was never to anything about gloves. It was just no sensor connection, no click is what I came to the conclusion of, right? Yep. The Touch ID sensor is now what registers the click being made. That You have to make a connection with the Touch ID sensor. So I'm having many times where like I'm hitting it and maybe not hitting it properly and it, there's no button. Or like the reason when I notice this is something I do all the time. I am laying down on the bed with my phone in my hand and I'm kind of resting my phone against my chest or my stomach and I go to press the button and I'm pressing material, like my T-shirt, right? Like it's just obscuring the button a little bit. It doesn't work. Like right. this is, and, and as well, when you make that connection and nothing happens, it feels to me viscerally uncomfortable. Like you're just jamming your finger or your fingernail into a piece of unmoving glass, which is really weird because you're always doing that. But when it gives you the tactic, it feels like a button. But when nothing's happening, you just feel like you're just mashing against this piece of glass. It's like, this is my whole thing, right? I feel like the experience that I feel is not as good anymore because this button is a button that can fail on me. And this was always my problem with the trackpads, right? There are times when it doesn't work on the laptops. My Magic trackpad... Never have a problem with it. But every time I use one of the new 15-inch MacBook Pros, I hate the trackpad because it seems to not work as well for me as the Magic trackpad does. I don't know why. Um, maybe it's just a, like whenever I do this, I'm usually using Stevens, and I think he uses a different setting to me. But anyway, like I, I don't like that when it's not set up the way that I like. But I have this button now which which doesn't work, um, and, it, and it is in times that I want it to, and I find it, very frustrating as somebody who's used the phone for nine years. Like I'm so used to just like hitting that button and and it goes. Like as I said, like I'm getting used to it. Like you, when it works, I'm. Do you know what? I'm fine with it. Right? Like it is a different experience, and I'm fine with it. But it is a button that doesn't have a 100% success rate, which is really weird. I, well, I mean, it breaks the spell of that. This is no, no, no. It's a button. It's really a button because it's not. And and you you press it in certain circumstances and it doesn't react. And you feel like I I just had this the other day with my Magic Trackpad where it lost connection with my Mac. Yeah. And I cl I clicked on it and nothing moved. <laughs> what is and this it was photo? like whoa. <laughs> right. Like what that that so that breaks the illusion and that's that's problematic. It's 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 yes, that's a thing. But I will say it also means stuff like. It doesn't accidentally go uh, get pressed in your pocket. But nothing right. happens. I've heard people say this. When has that ever happened to anyone? I, and then I, what happens? Like, oh, Siri might go off? I've had, yeah, I've had that happen. I've had it be <sighs> pressed, in the, pressed in my pocket when I didn't intend for it to be. Absolutely. Your pockets must be pointy. I don't know what's yes, happening with I your pockets. The, indeed. Yeah, that's the, it's a tough world out there. People that are always just, po poking sorry, your pockets. Like, I just can't. I mean, I'm sure it might happen, but I just don't see that as like a hooray. Like, and I've never, and I've never experienced what you're describing with the seven, which is pressing it and and having a thumbnail not 
register. Yeah, I mean, look, this is this is like different ways of operating the button, right? But like, what I'm saying is a categorical fact, right? That something can obstruct the button, the button doesn't yeah. move. Yeah, and I think I, actually this came up. Uh, people were talking about gloves and things like that in the winter time, which I don't understand. Because I love how, like, I just want to say, like, just for the weirdness. And by the way, like, if there's Stephen's going through this whole thing, <laughs> right? With hissing, we're going to talk about that on Connected as well. It's been a weird weekend for us. It was just so interesting to see this happen, where like I just said something obstructs it the button doesn't work and within an hour everyone was posting articles about capacitive gloves like, yeah i never even said that like i had, i don't care about gloves i'm just saying it doesn't always work yeah. like, whatever like, that's all i want to say on that but it is for people who use gloves that was a question and there are some people whose iphone strategy involves being able to push the home button Yep. For some people it worked and some people it didn't was what I was seeing. Like just, Exactly you know. right. So some capacitive gloves work with it and others didn't. It sounds like there's like you've got to hit it a certain way because it is it's trying to get that connection otherwise it won't it won't trigger. So it's something that, you know, if you are uh somebody who relies on gloves and uses an iPhone, you've got a set of gloves, you should check it out on your 7 before there's a really cold day and your fingers freeze or you can't use your phone. But it's probably not that big a deal. But you might need to buy new gloves, which is like... You might. I didn't expect I'd need to buy new gloves when I bought my yeah. iPhone. Yeah, Very, you know, it's, it's, it's just the thing. I like. I just find it to be a weird thing. Yeah, I don't know. It, 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 it doesn't bother me. For me, I just accepted it and it works fine and it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. So uh, for the most most people like it's not going to be a problem, but for the people that notice it like me, it's a, a lesser experience, right? And and you know, we talk about all this time all the time on the show the magic of Apple, right? It's why we do this show because we love the things that they make. And as people who really obsess over the criminology of this stuff as we do, as all of you listeners do as well, it's why you're listening to this show. We always talk about the story of the product, right? And right. just as of today, the story of this button has not been told, and it makes no, no right. sense. It's weird that they talked about it being customizable as if, and I, I kept thinking like, whoa, what does that mean? Are there certain clicks I can do now? And that, nope. I thought I was going to get like gestures and stuff, you know? Nope. No, nothing. It's just like, oh, how hard does it vibrate? Uh, <laughs> all right. Sure, <laughs> Phil. Like, okay. If that's what you need, man, we'll go for that. But let's talk about that tactic motor, the thing that is powering it, because this... I love. Yeah, it's great. This tactic motor is pure Apple whimsy. Like, this is what they do so well, right? This is the complete opposite of the button. And it feels restrained to me, and I'm sure there are people out there who are going to go, ugh, I don't want it to move, uh, my phone to move at all when I do anything on the screen. It's like, okay, well, you should turn off that feature then, and mm-hmm. then it won't do that. But I found, like... Uh, it's a delight, Using Android phones that have, you know, oftentimes the, the, there are these Android interfaces where, um, you know, everything you do vibrates the phone a little bit. And it's like, what is happening every tap? Yeah, it vibrates on the keystrokes, and that's too much. You can turn it off, but, like, Apple didn't do that. It is fairly restrained, but the, I, I find it whimsical and delightful and and yet a little bit restrained like if you reorder you know reordering a podcast list in overcast and this is not something that that marco arment actually wrote it's just he's using a standard controller when you slide those yep. items around in the list there's a little tick 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 yep. that you feel love it. Love as it. the animation of them sliding around happens and spinning the spinning the date picker spinning the 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 timer in the clock Any app pull to refresh uh, when you pull down pull the notification refresh. shade like yeah. they all bump on you and, and something i love like rearranging uh, iMessage applications as you drag them over each other like tick 
tick, tick. I wish that the real apps on the home screen did this as well. It's so nice. It's like you can feel yourself dragging them over. Like this is the genius. Like this taptic stuff, whatever they did is amazing, right? Like it, how it tricks you. Because it's the same with the home button. Like it tricks me. Like nothing changes, but I feel like something's happening. It's it really is brilliant. At my uh, at, when I was at Apple, I saw this app that was um, it's a music app and it's like a, a piano. Yeah, and you run you run your finger over from left to right over the piano on like the seven plus, and you can feel your finger going over the keys. Yep. it's crazy. So here's the thing, right, about that. Do you remember before all this came about? It's been going on for years about Apple were apparently creating a screen that would give feedback. Do you remember that was the 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 rumor? So it would give you feedback when you touched it in certain areas. Yeah, right. I think this was it. People were just tricked by it. This is this is that's the idea. Is is it's definitely like that. And I mean, there there was a Taptic engine on the success for 3D Touch, but they, you know they were very clear to me that this is a much the the, the Taptic uh, API stuff doesn't work on the success because they felt it's like that was I, yeah they said this is a much more refined and focused Taptic engine. They they can do a lot more tricks with it. And some of these these taps are so light and they're so fast. Oh, it's just amazing. And and uh, but it, I think it's really good. I'm interested to see what third party developers do with it. But I like that Apple has done this sort of sprinkling across everything, and it's it it's subtle but delightful. And that is uh, that is the best when when you have features that work like that. I, I I'm with you. I really liked yep. how they integrated Taptics into the UI or Haptics into the UI with the Taptic engine, so that it felt like um, it it, it you know. All that animation they've been putting in over the years with with uh, uh, all the different uh, classes that they've got where it's sort of like you you just as a developer say make a list here and then reorder it and then but it actually everything slides around and there's so much animation in the UI and a lot of this tap taptic engine stuff that they're doing seems to be tied to the animation so it really does give you that illusion like well of course as this is moving I can feel it moving and that instead of it being just a completely abstract thing, it's something that's happening as part of your gesture or as part of the UI that's leading to the movement. And that, that makes sense. I also, I also played a game for a minute that uses this and that was pretty amazing too. Like you fire a missile. Do you know what this game was called? I don't remember now. (laughs) I should look it up, but it was like, if you fire a missile and you can feel it go and when it, when it explodes, you can feel the rumble of the explosion. I mean, it's not quite at like, I'd say it's not at the level of vibration of, of like a rumble pack in a mm-hmm. in a, a console controller, sure, but sure. Uh, but it's also more detailed than that. That's kind of a yep. right. The console controllers are sort of like right. It's this. Yeah, it's just a blind vibration. Right. This is this is this is a much more kind of refined uh, effect, but not as uh, not as powerful as something in a console controller. But pretty cool. So there will be some cool uses of this by uh, third party apps too, and bad. There will be bad ones too. There'll be terrible ones that we'll all say, "What the hell did you just do?" But that yep. that happens. I've listened to and read a bunch of people saying stuff about the camera on the plus. You know, like on ATP, they were talking about it. Marco changed his decision. Yep, because something, something, something. Optical stabilization images mashed together. Something, something. Stuff I don't understand, basically. Uh huh. But I. Love the camera. My God. My <laughs> God, this camera is incredible. It's incredible. Like, just the standard pictures that I can take on this thing are insane, right? The depth of field that I can get already is insane before the yep. portrait stuff is even available. The zoom, whoa. Like, taking pictures of people. I know, look, 
everybody who's ever had a camera before, like, is just laughing at me. You know, I'm not a camera guy. Like, whatever. The the, the telephoto lens, I lo- I absolutely love it. Like, I've been just been taking pictures. Like, I took a picture of my cereal just for whatever. Like, okay, you know, because it was just what was in front of me when I figured I wanted to take a picture. Um, the way that this that like the quality of the zoom is incredible and just the detail that it picks up like i absolutely adore this camera like it is amazing yeah it's pretty good pretty great i one of the things that i discovered um is i took some pictures of some sunflowers that are in my kitchen yep and uh i took that with the with this as well as the 6s the 7 7 plus and the 6s the fact that it's capturing wide color gamut, the P3 color gamut, and then the displays can show the P3 color gamut. Um, on a non-P3 display, you can tell that the color is better. It's a better camera. And on the P3 display, it is shocking how much better it is. Mm-hmm. So so when you're taking pictures and looking at them on the device, it's it's you're you're getting you're benefiting double you're benefiting mm-hmm. from the quality of the camera and the capture and then the display of it Close but it screen. is yep. it's pretty it's pretty impressive yeah that they they continue to make this is a thing you know camera is one of the most important features of a smartphone and apple has tried very hard to make that iphone camera better every single year mm-hmm. and they did it again it is better again plus on the on the 7 plus you've got the 2x version and uh, and then you know they they're doing a little secret sauce behind the scenes to take advantage of the of the two cameras when they can yeah which they didn't talk about on stage at all secret sauce is making me laugh right now secret sauce this is one you of those things that sauce. Apple has the ability to do to us they have a whole kitchen that's cooking up secret sauce all the time Apple mentions a phrase like horses and mountains. And secret uh-huh. source on stage, and they mentioned it in regard to the AirPods, and now I'm hearing secret source everywhere. Secret sauce, it's it's a thing. You gotta have sauce, and if you we have were sauce, never keep it a secret. This before though, <laughs> keep it a secret. Oh no, that's a thing. Secret sauce is absolutely a thing. And no, I know what it is. It's McDonald's, right? But like, we weren't talking about anyway. But what? It's just anyway. funny to me. Like they mention a phrase, and it becomes part of the lexicon no. for a while. Like secure enclave. We sure. all know what they are now. Uh, Jim took a picture of his pineapple pizza. <laughs> In a similar yes. vein to me, uh, when you can really... is another example in a low light condition um, of the great camera. I'm, I'm, Look, I know that people that love cameras, they're never going to be completely happy with, with the way that these things work, right? Because they're not real cameras, you know? They're, they're trying to put real cameras inside of a phone, which is difficult to do. But for someone who doesn't really know and just likes the way that their pictures look when they're taken really well, I'm very happy. I'm like over the moon with this camera. Like it's just incredible. You know, all the stuff that it's doing with the two lenses and all the stuff I can get out of the zoom with them. Like I am so thrilled with this. They look incredible to me. Um, and I, it's one of my favorite features of the phone, obviously, but I wasn't expecting it so much to love it as much as I do. Um, I'm so happy with it. It's very good. And well, let's, let's, um, I wanted to just follow up. They didn't mention it on stage, but it is true. Every time you take a picture in the standard, like in the camera app, it's it's uh, firing both sensors off. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't mention this. Gathering both pictures, and when it does its processing, if it does, and they won't talk about the details of it really, but it is doing some things, knowing that it's got another camera to try if. 
the way I read it was if it's got areas of the cam of the photo that look questionable, that if it's got data from the other camera that looks better, it will try to mix in the other other one. It's super secret sauce stuff, Mike. It's secret sauce stuff. But uh, so they won't talk about it. But the JPEG you get out of the iPhone Seven Plus may include data that's been merged together from both sensors yep. in order to get the best picture possible. Obviously, if you shoot with another app that's using RAW, they, you're picking the the sensor and you get the RAW sensor data. But the JPEG that's gone through all of Apple's processing, that's one of the things that Apple will do with processing on the 7 Plus is potentially look at the other camera data yeah. and see if it can integrate that in some way, which is also pretty pretty wacky. My layman's way of thinking of this is it's like some kind of super HDR mode. Because right, my understanding of HDR is it like takes the brights, the best brights and the best darks or like, whatever and puts them together to make the best image. And it kind of feels like that. You could do that. I, I'm unclear on if they're actually doing that. But wouldn't that make sense that if you're on the wide angle and you take a shot with the wide angle or, or vice versa, that the you would actually set the settings on the other camera to be uh, different yeah, uh, different shutter, something different about it to to sort of get that to happen. Because the way HDR works now is it takes two pic- pictures in rapid succession and then merges them together. Um, I don't know. Uh, they they said noise reduction is one of the big things that they're 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 trying to do with that. Um, so I guess you could take detail from one lens, color yeah. from an. You know, I don't know how it's done. But I don't. It kind of makes I don't sense know. in my brain. But they 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 do some of that, but they don't talk about what they're doing. So that's just we just kind of have to take them at their word there. The speakers are so loud, um, and they're really clear. Uh, it's not as good as the iPad Pro, of course, right? Because the iPad Pro has two times more speakers. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't sound two times louder to me, um, but it's a lot louder. I'm very happy. They're way clearer. Yeah, it, and it's funny, when you have it at full volume, your iPhone basically shakes, right? Like you hold it, and you can feel the sound. Yeah, and they're not just putting Taptic Engine in there just to fake it. Uh, I think... I think, uh, yeah, I think it's much louder. It's still tinny. I mean, I, I would not love sure. listening to music or watching a movie just on the speakers, but you it's can. It's nowhere near as good as the iPad, right? The iPad speakers yeah. are just legitimately good. Yeah. They're very good. Um, but this is like what I wanted. It's way better. And the stereo effect really is is surprising in that it doesn't feel like they've tuned that speaker so that it's in stereo and you don't feel like you have one speaker aimed at you and one mm-hmm. speaker aimed away from you. They feel balanced when you listen to it. It, it plays stereo for audio, um, for I mean, for music as well as for movies. Mm-hmm. So if you play a music track, it will actually use the the um, one speaker for left and one speaker for right, even if you're in uh, in a portrait you're holding it upright, it will still uh, stereo separate. I'm really worried that one day I'm going to hit the loudspeaker button when I'm on a phone call and burst my <laughs> eardrum. <laughs> I think they'll try very hard not to do that. But. I, my hope would be that they use like the, the, the sensor to not do that, right? Like if you hit loudspeaker and put it up to your ear, it won't go off because they can yeah. use the screen detection sensor. That's what I hope they're I doing. I would think so. If, yeah. if, then, if Apple, if you're not doing that and you've heard that, I recommend that. That might save somebody's eardrums because these I things would are be loud. surprised if they didn't have it in there so that if you were, you have the proximity sensor and they know that, that there's a person yeah. near that speaker that it doesn't, it, it's volume limited. Thinking about there's an easy way to test this, and I'll do it. Right, I'll just put my finger over it, and yeah. we'll see. Uh, this phone is so fast in everything it does. It is incredible. Everything loads faster. There's less lag across the whole system. I noticed it almost immediately, just how powerful this thing feels. It's insane. Yep. It's twice as fast as the 6, 
I mean, you can really feel it, even from the S6S, right? Like, I, I feel in it. Like, I just... As you do every time, but this thing is noticeably faster. I have no idea how they continue to make these things faster and faster all the time. It's such a small little box. Um, the other big thing that I love, love, is the screen. My gosh. The, the wide color gamut stuff. Yeah. What it does to these screens, like, everything looks better to me. Like, it was how I felt about the iPad Pro, right? Like, the, just looking at my home screen was a treat. And that's how I feel here. It's a shame to not have the true tone, but quite honestly, it's so close to me. Like, I can look at the two devices and I can see what true tone is doing to them. But the, the quality of the screen and the wide color gamut is so good, I almost don't care that much because it is so fantastic. And when you yep. pair with Night Shift with the, on the iPhone, like, it is just a, a completely pleasurable experience, this, the, the screen on these things. Absolutely fantastic. I agree. It's a, it's a very impressive screen. I think my only my only thoughts go back to when we were talking about Samsung. Is it does feel like that's that's a challenge for Apple. Is can you get can you get it to feel a little more edge to edge? There's not a lot of frame left around it, but there's still frame left around it. And on the regular seven. You know, I'm not a big believer in the idea. I've heard people who are fans of Android devices say, oh, but Apple's so far behind in resolution. You've got these super HD displays on Android devices. It's like, you know, above a certain DPI, it really doesn't matter. And in fact, it's a bad idea to have a higher resolution display because no one can see it, but you still have to draw all the pixels, which means you have to have the GPU GPU to drive it. That, that all said, uh, the iPhone 7 not being able to show like 1080 a true 1080 it could it could the smaller iphone could probably have a higher resolution screen than it has so i hope they go down that path i don't think it's something that most regular people are going to care about it's a beautiful screen it is a retina screen so you probably couldn't detect a whole lot of difference anyway um i just you know i I think it's worth mentioning that that it's like Mm -hmm. the the plus is a true 1080 screen but the 7 is not it's not it's not quite there yet so um maybe in the next version but that's that i think this kind of leads us to our conclusions it's sort of like what is this iphone how is it different than the past and what does this mean for the future so I think this is the weirdest iPhone ever made because there are strange choices with peculiar outcomes. You know, and yeah. we didn't even talk about the headphone jack because I just feel like it's a non-story at this point. We've said everything. Maybe this is why they have the uh, the the TikTok approach where there's like the five and the five S, the four and the four S, the six and the six S. Maybe that's why they only do two because when you do a third one, it gets weird. It gets, yeah, you, know, you don't want to go to the third one because this is what happens: it's strange things it start gets to happen. Weird at the third iteration. You're completely <laughs> yeah, that's right. right. Like you don't want to. Yeah, you know, and and this is this is. It is weird. There are a lot of challenge things they're doing here that are like we're going to change things. We're going to do all this stuff. I mean, yeah, of course the phone is or the the camera's better and the the, the processors are faster. It's yeah. like all those things happen every time, and they're to be commended. We shouldn't take that for granted, but they're to be commended for that. But then you've got we also added a camera, got rid of the home button, got rid of the <laughs> headphone jack. And like okay, enjoy. <laughs> it looks the same. <laughs> um, it's it is weird, and for me. Um, and I like it. I, I think it's actually. I'm. I, I think it's. I think it's great. I think they pushed it forward in a bunch of areas that are really nice. I think that the the color gamut stuff, the camera improvements, it's really impressive. Great to look at. Uh, so much faster. All of those things are great. Uh, better. The better uh, speakers are fantastic. Um, I do wonder what this says about the iPhone product line. Like, it, we won't know for a year what this phone's place in the world is. 
and I feel like we've got a couple of options. <laughs> One is it's a weird phone. And we're going to look back and be like, and then they did that third one, that the, the seven, which was basically like the six and the six S. And that was strange. They made a lot of weird decisions there. And, but then they wiped it all away and they did a new phone. Um, I, I think more likely is we're going to look back and say that this was a transitional device where they were trying out a bunch of stuff before implementing it and a whole lot of other weird stuff with whatever next year's phone is. But we won't know. I mean, there were rumors that suggest that that is the case, but we won't really know until next year. But but that, that you know, I, I think one way or another, it is a very different phone in a lot of ways than than any previous iPhone. I think that's interesting that, they, that they've done that nine years but, in. You know, this is the thing. Like, I love this phone as I love all new iPhones because it gives me a bunch of stuff that's really great. But it's also giving me some things that are not so great, which is weird. You know, like, I don't, right. I can't think of an iPhone that's done this before. Like, it, it's made some decisions that are, like, completely perplexing. Um, you know, like, removing the headphone jack is, is perplexing. Like, I'm sure that I would feel probably the same way as I do about the home button if I didn't know about the headphone jack, like, six months ago, you know? And I think that's a ah. decision made by Apple, you know, to, to like imagine if they would have taken off how you would have reacted. Remember how you were reacting when the oh, yeah. rumors were first coming out? You know, and I think it was very smart by them to remove it because that's way more of a of a hot button issue than the home button is, right? Um, but <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> <Hot button. laughs> uh, technically, the uh, oh, I, I want to mention, and this is probably something that can be solved in software. I don't know, but people have discovered, by the way, that the lightning port goes to sleep. Yeah. yeah. So if you if you if you plug in your headphones and you listen to a podcast and like 20 minutes later you want to click to pause your phone, I believe it doesn't work. Uh so it, there's been a little bit of contention. What I have seen proven on video is play a show, pause it, 5 minutes later you cannot unpause. Oh, so it's when it's not playing audio. When nothing's happening. Is I what see. I've, Interesting. I've seen video proof of this. I'm going to put it in the show notes. Um, that that when you 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 want to resume, you have to basically plug and replug to get it. To, okay. Well, so that's one of those things that maybe that's just a uh, an unintended uh, side effect of all of this. That, like I said, I hope can be fixed with the software update. But you know, this is this is the thing about having a weird phone like this, right? Is that I think there are going to be weird edge cases in all of these things that are going to come out of stories. And uh, some of it, Apple's going to say, oh, that's just how it is now. And other things, Apple's going to say, oh, we're, we're, that'll, be, that'll be addressed in a software update that's coming soon. And that, that one strikes me as being, you may need to trade off on the battery life that like if you've got a lightning device plugged in and audio isn't playing, that yeah, you, you still need to listen for it to give you a command to play the audio again you, you got to do that and and hopefully and that, also, that's something with software with the headphone thing i've just not bumped into anything yet i will do sure but you will and and, that, and we'll see those stories i mean i could i could write those stories now i can predict those stories there'll be yeah. somebody who's somewhere and it's like my wedding was ruined because i didn't have this adapter and <laughs> sure. so we couldn't play that song right that, I mean, we that story laugh, will that's be posted. gonna happen you know it's gonna happen yeah. uh, you know my car trip was ruined because i couldn't uh you know i couldn't connect my iphone mm-hmm. those stories will get written by angry people there are there are always i mean i was sharing in the relay slack there are always people who who really have uh, a bad experience 
experience with something and they uh and then they they go on twitter or whatever and they or facebook and they vent and then somebody picks it up because if you write anything about anything about an apple product somebody will write a a, a story for their blog about the fact that you had that issue like you found out with your observation about having a t-shirt in front of the home button that yeah. that became a story on people's websites because you had an observation on twitter so that will happen at some point down the road that's true and some of them apple will be like yeah that's you know whatever and other times th- there may be some things where they're like oh actually yeah that's a good point we're gonna fix that in an update which one are What's you up? gonna buy because i know you were on the fence about the plus and some of the stuff you were saying in your review really made it seem like you were maybe leaning that way more than you ever have before because of some of the advancements. Oh, no, but I, I mean, I thought I, I gave it away when I very specifically said it's almost enough to make me switch and join the Plus Club because of the camera. I just wanted the to see there. if I had some luck in it. I read it. The, I know what the, it meant, but I just wanted key, to see if I could tease it out The keyword is almost, but, <sighs> but not not quite. The, you know, the Plus, I've got it here. I actually am going to switch. I've been using the 7. I'm going to use the 7 Plus as my primary um for a little bit because that's part of the experience of it it's it's really nice and big it's also really big (laughs) and yeah yeah so that's my that's that's my thing is do i really want for the more flexible camera and all of that uh, the fact is i run with my phone in my pocket and it's this thing's enormous so am i leaving my phone behind if i do that and then i can't listen to podcasts because I don't have, unless I like get out the old iPod Shuffle or something like that. It just it, it 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 the way I use my phone, I don't think there's enough benefit in in switching to the Plus because I'm gonna have to tote that thing around everywhere I go, it's and not, it's, it's big. Not as bad as you think it is. It's really large, Mike. It's, it's, it's very. Not, you get used to it. Yeah, Mm-mm. you get used to it. I. Yeah. It's it's funny to me to hear so many people get so close, just fall at the last hurdle. Next year, I think I'm gonna get you I, all. I think it's always worth considering. I don't know, Mike. Next year, you know, the the smaller phone may be so amazing that we don't even we don't even need that big phone anymore. That's I a will topic say this. for another time. Uh, let me let me. I'll, I'll give you this to to button this up, which is I did as part of this run um, a bunch of benchmark tests, a bunch of speed tests with uh, with Geekbench using a bunch of different iPhones, including the SE and the five. And holding that SE in my hand. I felt like I was holding a remote control, like a clicker or something. It's so small. Good or bad is that so small? That uh, that ship has sailed. There's no way I'm going to use a phone yeah. that size. Forget it. I, I I know the nostalgia when it came out, and people like Gruber saying, "Oh, but I like it. It's I like that size. I don't like that size. It's too no. small." I think it's crazy pants to to go <laughs> yeah. back to a phone that small. It's like. It's like child's toy phone. I, I was a big advocate in that phone existing because I think it's an important part of the market and, and not everybody wants a big phone, just like not everybody wants the gigantic phone that you use. Um, but for me, I can't, I, I, I can't see going back to that phone ever. It's just so tiny. All right. So and I feel like I've made my point now. Like That's why I wanted to say up top, right? I do really, really love this phone. I'm happy I made the decision. I've already sold my uh, 6S Plus. It's gone. I love this phone, but it's a weird phone. And it's I'm getting used to it, but it's weird. And things are going to continue to be weird because like, I haven't even bumped into any headphone, headphone stuff yet. It's going to be weird. And we'll see what it results in. But, Jason, it's time for some Ask Upgrade. But this week, okay. Ask Upgrade is brought to you by FreshBooks, the company on a mission to help small business owners save time and avoid the stress that comes of running their businesses by giving you all of the tools that you need for pain-free invoicing. 
FreshBooks have created a super intuitive tool that makes creating and sending invoices so simple. Just 30 seconds, you'll have a great looking invoice created. It will have your logo on it, sent out to your clients who can pay you in a myriad of ways, PayPal, card. You can put information for them to send you by check. It's so simple. And this is why FreshBooks customers get paid five days faster on average. I went into FreshBooks yesterday to check some stuff. I love that I get reports to tell me how old things are so I can see who I need to chase. I can see if those people have actually looked at their invoices so I know what to send them. I love that I can create like account lists i can't remember the exact name that they give it right now but it can show every invoice that's been sent how much has been paid how much is owed it's really great stuff i could just send that to someone and say hey can you take a look at this freshbooks give me all of the tools that i need to make my business run smoothly and both me and steven use it like steven does all the account reconciliation i send out all the invoices and we're able to use it so simply together everything's there everything that we need is there there's amazing support that they have you just pick up the phone and you'll get through to someone at freshbooks you don't need to be a numbers person to get this stuff done all the information is saved you can save all your clients you can save all the line items that you add to invoices seriously if you send invoices to anyone for any reason go and try out FreshBooks they're giving a 30 day free trial to listeners of this show you don't need any credit card to try it out to claim your 30 days of unrestricted use go to freshbooks.com slash upgrade and enter upgrade in the how you heard about us section so FreshBooks knows that you came to them from this show thank you so much to FreshBooks for their continued support of upgrade and Relay FM let's get into ask upgrade time pow pow TJ upgraded. Tactic from, vibration. Tactic from, vibration. Probably six to a seven. And TJ wanted to know what our favorite 3D touch shortcuts were and if we take live photos. So my favorite 3D touch shortcuts, I love the peeking at emails, links, and messages. Just so I don't have to open stuff and switch apps or like I get a message. I just want to see what it says in full without sending off a read receipt. Or I get an email and I don't want to open it so it marks as read. I just want to peek at what it says. I love all of that stuff. And with notifications now and you can kind of expand the notifications. All that stuff is great. Um, I'm really happy with all of that. Uh, I also really do love live photos. It's one of my favorite things that Apple has added to iOS in, in recent years. Because it just makes my photos more delightful. Like... They, the photos sit still. I swipe through them and they move a little bit, which is nice. And then I press and hold on them and I see something that wasn't captured in the image that I caught. And it, and it's a whole different way of taking photos. And a lot of the time, the real joy of the photo now is actually in looking at the moments before and after it. Um, I really, really love live photos. And it seemed like such a trivial thing when they introduced it. But it's one of my very, very favorite things about iOS today. Yeah, I uh, my favorite 3D touch shortcut is the uh, is actually the um, I'm really liking in iOS 10 the flashlight that you can uh, 3D touch on the control center and then choose the brightness of the flashlight. I think that's amazing and hilarious. Light, medium yep. light, low light. Oh, look at that! Ex- yeah, right. And so they, you can control turn it on without blinding touch. everyone. Yeah, control center 3D touch is something that I really wanted for iOS 10, and they delivered, and I'm very happy about it. And I take live photos too all the time. I don't uh, often by mistake because <laughs> I leave it on, but I do enjoy them uh, in certain circumstances. And it's a really fun to go back to a photo that you took and like and discover it's a live photo and get to see the world around the photo that you like, which is really sort of how Apple pitched it last year was, you know, what if your photos could come to life? It's not like, okay, everybody, I'm going to take a live photo now, so start acting. It's more like, it's a photo, and then yep. you can see 
what happened around the moment of the photo, and that's pretty cool. So like I'm just someone surprised. like blinking and and making you know the face before they make the photo. Like I love all of that. Yeah, I've I got really a picture of my it. dog running around, and in the live photo, the dog kind of like comes into the frame and looks at the camera, and then that was when the picture got taken, and then she runs out. It's like uh, that's it's pretty cool stuff, and we have a great uh, selfie live photo of you and me where um, the flash fired the 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 yes. true tone flash on the front of the camera fired, uh, and you're blinded by it, and the, the, that's the best live photo ever because it you, is the best live you photo ever. And yeah, we need to. I'm gonna find that. And I'm gonna okay. put it in the show notes. All right. Somehow, this could take a long time. Do you have it to hand, or am I going to have to keep scrolling through your Twitter timeline? I I think it's in my favorites. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll find that. We'll put the gift version in the show notes. I'm going to leave yeah. that task with you, Snell. Okay. We can do this. Uh, next up on Ask Upgrade this week, we have Richard. Richard wanted to uh, get uh, an input from you, Jason. Um, isn't it a major oversight that Sierra isn't aware of tethering and will attempt to sync desktop and documents no matter how large they are or what connection you're on? Uh, it's a major oversight that the Mac is not aware of tethering. Um, this has yeah. been a thing for a while now. It's probably why there are no cellular-capable Macs is because I think there are some fundamental problems. I'm surprised, though, that they didn't three or four years ago put together a new set of APIs for the Mac that indicate whether something is on a cellular connection or not. But, I mean, you, your argument would always be that until Apple makes Macs with cellular stuff, then they, they're they not going to bother. But this is a problem when you tether uh, because it has uh, it thinks it's on Wi-Fi and it can eat as much as it, as it wants. But, of course, you know that it's on cellular. I think this became a problem when the OS became aware of tethering as a thing. So when they added right. the continuity features, you got the little uh, little uh, ch- link in the chain thing, so yeah. it knows. But there's no API. That's the thing. iOS was built fundamentally for the idea that you're going to do a lot of things on Wi-Fi and less things on cellular from day one. That mm-hmm. was the iPhone OS model, and so every app, every part of the system has these two different classes of data, and and sometimes settings about what the behavior is. But every app has that, and the Mac has never had that, and it would be a big thing. To do that, they could do it. They could have done it. They could have seen this coming years ago. And Apple seems like they just don't care about worrying about the Mac using data when it's on a cellular connection. So all I have to do is say, use trip mode. Um, That's why it exists. Uh, I think it's tripmode.ch is the website, I believe, but it's a mm-hmm. uh, trip mode is a utility that looks at your, uh, the, the connection that you're making and you can do it by interface and buy a Wi-Fi base station, I believe. So you can basically say when I'm connected to this device, uh, turn on and block all data from these processes. And it's not perfect, but it does allow you to use metered connections and, um, block, certain background stuff like iCloud from using that connection. It's not perfect, but that's the workaround right now. But yes, Apple has been missing the boat on macOS for years in terms of laying the foundation for being able to differentiate between, um, you know, okay for unlimited bandwidth and uh, please watch your step and don't download stuff on this connection. Yeah, it's it's kind of uh, surprising that they've added this new feature and it doesn't do it right. Like as you sound like I completely agree. Like old features, maybe it wasn't never thought. It was never thought of. The OS didn't know the difference between tethering or not. But now it feels like it could. And it's when an application like, sh- like Trip Mode yeah. exists, it shows it's possible to understand it's only, what the connection uh, only, is. Only 
with tethering with iOS devices, though, I mean that's the thing is that mm-hmm. there are also um, you know little Wi-Fi uh, hotspots. And there are non-Apple yeah, devices. But, but like and... tethering on iOS devices will be a good start at least. Sure. But it's just not there. Nope. Jack asked the age-old question. I feel like every episode of Upgrade gets this question. <laughs> uh, in light of the A10 in the iPhone 7, should I wait for an upgrade to the 12.9-inch iPad Pro or purchase now? So I'll give you the same answer that I give as always. If you can wait, and you can wait for an undetermined amount of time, if you can wait for a year even before needing to buy an iPad Pro, you should wait because the A10 in that thing is going to be bonkers. Amazing. It's going to be bonkers. <laughs> so if you can wait because, you know, we expect within the next six months there will be an update, then, yeah, you should wait because those things are darn expensive. So if you can wait, wait. If you can't, it's brilliant right now. So there you go. Uh, Nate wanted to get heart started with some HomeKit stuff. Jason, where should he begin? Oh, I, I'm the wrong person to ask. I bought a couple right. of Hue lights. I, I don't have any HomeKit stuff. I actually bought a couple of Hue lights just so that I could write about the Home app, which I haven't done yet. I haven't even put in the lights. How many Apple writers does it take to screw in a light bulb? Um, the answer is they're waiting for their Amazon delivery of their uh, Hue hub so they can do that. Uh, so I don't I don't have an answer have no here. Answer. All right, so I, I, have an, I have a basic answer. Go to apple.com and take a look at what's HomeKit enabled because... They've got some stuff there. Uh, But my next tip will be what I'm thinking about right now. I am trying to find devices that are HomeKit enabled and have some kind of other service attached to them. Because in, when is it going to be? A week and a bit? Just over a week or so away? I'm going to be receiving an Echo. Oh. Because they are available in the UK now. And I want to be able to have devices that the Echo can talk to and HomeKit can talk to because I don't want something that's locked into one system. So I don't want things that just the Echo can talk to and I don't want things that just HomeKit can be can work with. So stuff like the Hue lights work and I think some of the Y-Things stuff works. So I'm trying to find things that I can use for both because I don't want to get locked into one of them because we have no idea which one of them is going to win right now. Google Home might be the winner. you know. So I right. want to try and find devices as, mu- as much as possible that will work with all of my stuff because when we move into the new place, I'm going to be doing a lot of this. So before the end of this year, you're going to be hearing from me a lot more about home automation. So Nate, if you can hold off, wait until I start looking into this stuff. Otherwise, if you want to buy right now, look on Apple's website. Last up today, Tony asked about... Um, Apple Pencil skins and pen loops for the Apple Pencil and asked me if I had any I could recommend and if I found them useful. So I will include a link in the show notes to a little post that I put on my Tumblr site um, where I linked to some things, some little hacks that I have for my Apple Pencil, uh, including a clip, a pen loop that I use, and the skins that I use. Uh, I recommend all of those things. I think the skins add grip and a little bit more fun to the just white piece of plastic that you get. Um, I think the pen loops are almost essential. I think you have to have something that attaches your pencil to the iPad. So right now, my 9.7, I have the pencil in the pen loop of the Logitech case thing to create. And on my 12.9, where I'm used to using the smart keyboard, I have a pen loop. I think you have to keep them together. So otherwise, it's going to get lost or it's not going to be there when you need it. Um, so I really recommend the stuff. And things that are in that blog post are tried and tested by me. And I love them. And when I bought my second Apple Pencil for my second iPad because multi-pad lifestyle, 
I did the exact same thing with them, although I bought a different skin. One of them has the pencil skin that you see. One of them has a, a Crayola crayon skin mm. um, that I found from a, from a different website. So check them out. The skins are great. Uh, the D-Brown skin is really good, and uh, the other skins that I found are really good as well. You'll find links in the show notes to my post where I explain all of that. Hey, that's it, Jason. I have enjoyed this one. I was really looking forward to it. I hope our listeners have too. I could tell. You were having a good time. This is I your time to, time to let it all out. Yep. Let let all your feelings about your brand new Apple product out. Yep. It's good. It's good stuff. So, and next week, it's going to be macOS time because as <laughs> we record this- Next week is your this, week. <laughs> as we record this, macOS <laughs> comes out tomorrow, macOS Sierra. So, next week, it's going to be all Mac all the time, I think. So, get I, ready for that one. I'm not upgrading. Shh. Silence. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about why next week. If you yeah. want to find our show notes, go to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 107. If you want to find Jason online, he's over at six, the amazing sixcolors.com and the incomparable, incomparable.com, uh, the incomparable.com, I should say. If you want to find him on Twitter, he is at Jasonell. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks again to our sponsors for this week's episode, the great folk over at AppCare, FreshBooks, and smile thank you for listening as always if you like the show share it with a friend why not what's the what is the worst that can happen if you do that they might say they don't like it and that's okay they probably won't judge you too harshly we'll be back next time until then say goodbye mrs now goodbye everybody 